just to recap again last week's we are in the process of working our way through the halachas of Amir al-Akum. Last week we discussed mainly the halachas of the Amir, what one is allowed to and what, is one not, what, what one is not allowed to say to a non-Jew on Shabbos. So just very quickly to go to do a Chazorah, we discussed the six parts to, to the halachas of Amir al-Akum. The first one is a proper Amir, a direct Amir to a non-Jew. On Shabbos it's forbidden. An Amir, a, a, a direct command to a non-Jew before Shabbos is also to do a Malach on Shabbos is also also a remez derech tzivu, a remez which has connotations of a command in it. It's not a direct command; it's only a remez, but it's a remez derech tzivu. But if you give that remez on Shabbos, it's also also a remez derech tzivu before Shabbos. For Shabbos is muta, or a remez derech tzivu on Shabbos for after Shabbos is muta. And then a remez, which is shleibederech tibu, which has no command, no connotations of any command at all in it, is muta even on Shabbos. So once again, a direct amir with a command is also before Shabbos for Shabbos, or on Shabbos for Shabbos, or on Shabbos for after Shabbos. It's all also uh, an amir uh, with a, a remez, but derech tibu, which has some hints of a command in it, is also on Shabbos for Shabbos, but before Shabbos for. To, to give a remez to a non-Jew to do a malach on Shabbos or on Shabbos to give a remez even derech tzivu to do a malach after Shabbos is muta a remez without any tzivu in it a remez with no command in it at all is completely muta even on Shabbos we then discussed it's also to ask a non-Jew if there was a sale on, on Shabbos to ask a non-Jew to go and buy clothes for you or whatever it may be on Shabbos because buying on Shabbos is, is, is an issa even though it's an issa to Abonon so to ask a non-Jew to buy for you on Shabbos is also if you can, you ask an non-Jew to buy something. You don't mention, you don't say to him go buy it on Shabbos. But the only time and the only place he can actually acquire that product for you is on Shabbos. Then again, it's as if you've asked him to buy it on Shabbos. So again, that's also. And so much so, we mentioned from the Sefer Hasidim that in the old, in the olden days, where the m- most purchases were done in the Yom Hashuk, were done in the day of the, the market day. If the market day of your village or town was on Shabbos, then the Sefer Hasidim writes it's also to live in a town where the marketplace, the market day is on Shabbos because it's impossible to succumb to the not to succumb to the, the uh, Nisayan of buying on Shabbos or at least asking a non-Jew to buy for you on Shabbos that he went so far as to say one shouldn't live in a time where the market day is on a Shabbos we then discussed uh, an Amir Akam, even a direct command for a, a Chayla for somebody who's sick even if it's not a chayla sheesh beisakon, it has to be a chayla, it has to be somebody who is ill, but it doesn't have to be somebody who is dangerously ill. You've got to fit into the criteria of being ill, even though you're not dangerously ill, then a direct amir is mutter. So anybody who's in hospital, who's unwell and in hospital, can, be, can usually consider themselves a chayla, even if it's not a, a sakona, they are almost definitely a chayla, and therefore a direct command to any nurse to do anything for you, if you, if you need it, is mutter on Shabbos. Whether it's a malacha deraisa or malacha derabonon, so if a, a chayla would need the light on, all you have to do is ask the nurse to switch the light on for you, etc. If it's a case of chayla sheshbris sakona, then that's, you can even do things yourself, but if it's to, to prevent the sakona. But we're talking about here a normal chayla, a chayla who hasn't got the sakona, Amir al-Akum is wavered, there is no halacha of Amir al-Akum. Chazal never made a sakona of Amir al-Akum in the situation of a chayla. A non-Jew who lights a light for a chayla, we're going to discuss in the, in, in the, the rest of the Shev Be'ez Hashem, the halachas of not, being, not benefiting from a malacha of a non-Jew, but a, a, a non-Jew who lights a light or does a malacha for a chayla, then anybody else, everybody can benefit from that malacha, even somebody who's not a chayla. So if a, a nurse switches on the light in a dark room for, a, for a, 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 an ill person, a visitor who's not ill can benefit from that light as well. The only difference to that halacha which we mentioned last week was bishul. If a non-Jew cooks for a chayla, which he's allowed to, cooks for a chayla on Shabbos, or your homeless meal is heated up in the hospital by the staff, by the, the, the kitchen staff on Shabbos, and the chayla doesn't fancy it, it's also for the healthy person to eat it, because when it comes to cooking, we're worried that the, the non-Jew will add extra for the sake of the healthy person. So since we're worried about that, we ban the healthy person from benefiting from the malacha of the non-Jew which was done for a chayla. So that's the, the only exception. Most other malachas which a, a non-Jew does for a chayla, uh, uh, even a healthy person can benefit from it. We then discuss the halachas of Amir l'Akum l'Tzorich Mitzvah. Amir l'Akum l'Tzorich Mitzvah, can you ask a non-Jew to do a malacha? Let's talk about the malacha deraisa. 
to do a malacha deraisa for you, but it's a tzarech mitzvah. So, for instance, you forgot to cook your Shabbos meal, and it comes right now, you remember you haven't cooked your Shabbos meal, can you ask an Anjir to cook your Shabbos meal for you? Well, let's leave out the problems of Bishalakum. Uh, heat up your food for your Shabbos. Um, so, th- we discussed it's a very big machlek shushenim, the Balaita says it's mutter, but the, the consensus of all the poskim is that it's osa. The only bone of contention between the poskim is a tzarech godl, something which is an extreme n- a, a need, a very extreme need, would we allow ourselves to rely on the Shittas Rishonim, and those Rishonim who say that the Tzoyach Mitzvah is Mutter, and that's a big Machlekes in the Paskim. But other than that, it's quite clear in the Paskim that anything that Tzoyach Mitzvah we do not, we are not makele. If it's an Issa Drabonon, if what all you're asking a non-Jew is to do a Malacha Drabonon, then there are more ways around, there are more colors. To ask a non-Jew to do a Malacha Drabonon is called the Shvus the Shvus, because the Malacha Drabonon is one Shvus, is one Drabonon. To ask the non-Jew to do a malach is a second drabonon. So you, you are asking a non-Jew to do a malach drabonon ends up doing a double isa drabonon. It's not a single isa drabonon. It's a, a, a isa drabonon on, on top of another isa drabonon. So since it's only two isuri drabonon, we have kulas. Uh, the kulas are that even a mixas chayli, that's somebody who's not really considered sick, just somebody who is partially ill, uh, suffering from severe pain, uh, stomach trouble, things like that, you can ask a non-Jew to do a malacha drabonon, to go and fetch some medicine from over the road, which is, if the road is not a Rishus Rabban, the rice is only, shus, only a, a, a Rishus Rabbonon. You can ask a non-Jew to go over the road and fetch that medicine for you, even though you're not considered a true chayli. So that, there's one color in drabonon, shus to shus, the tzarech mixes chayli is muta. And another, <coughs> another color in Shavuz to Shavuz in uh, Isra Drabonon asking a non-Jew to do an Isra Drabonon is if you, uh, the Jew could do the same malacha the Yid could do the same malacha but in a way which is mutter then it's a more complicated way but in a way which is mutter then you're allowed to ask the non-Jew to do it even in a way which is also so for instance the Shulchan Aruch tells us we discussed this last week if you need a light a light which is already lit so there's no Isra Drabonon no malacha Drabonon here the only, the only malacha here is a Drabonon the malacha of tiltful muksa carrying a, a candle is, is also because of muksa you could, if you need that candle, theoretically you could carry it kilachiyad in a backhanded way. We won't discuss the antics of how one should do that now. But you could theoretically carry a lit candle in a backhanded way, which is only, which is mutter. You then are allowed to ask a non-Jew directly to carry the candle in a normal way for you, because the achievement that, that the, 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 the malacha achieves could be done for derecheta. That's only in a malacha drabonon. So carrying a candle, for instance, anything like that, can, you can ask a non-Jew to carry it in a normal way if you need the candle to show you, to, to direct you, and, and get you to where you need to go. You can ask a non-Jew, because it's a shos to shos, in a malacha that you could do, theoretically, yourself, but derech etem. mitzvah, again, a shos to shos l'tzorich mitzvah is mutter. We discussed the story of when Rabbi Akasa sent somebody over the road to get a, a sefer in the middle of a shir, because a shos to shos l'tzorich mitzvah is again mutter. And that's where the halachas of somebody who's blech gone out, and the food needs to be transferred to the next door neighbor, and even though there's no, there's no Erev, Theoretically, you could ask a non-Jew to take that food to your next-door neighbor, carry it through the street, and ask him to put it on the blech because it's shus to shus the tzarech mitzvah. If the food that you're carrying is the main staple part of the suda, if it's just the dessert or the four spies, then that wouldn't be allowed. If it's the main part of the suda, then it's considered the tzarech mitzvah, so the Shabbos is considered the tzarech mitzvah, so the shus to shus the tzarech mitzvah is mutter. Another kula in Amir Akum, even in the Malacha Deraisa, is Bamakim Hefset Godl. If there's Going to, if there's going to become a great loss, for instance, there's a fire in the house and you're worried that there's going to be an enormous loss, uh, we're talking about a situation where there's no pikuach nefesh, there's no worry of any, any uh, serious pikuach nefesh, but the, all you're worried about is a serious financial loss, then b'derech remez, even a remez derech sivir, you're allowed to mention and get a goy to put the fire out for you. So even though it's not to directly ask a goy to put the fire out for you, is also, in the case of Hefzid Godel, you're allowed to ask a guy b'derech remez, not directly, b'derech remez, even though it's a remez of derech tivui, that would be mutter, because Mamachim has the Godel Chazal allowed remez derech tivui. However, if there was a chashash, if there was a worry that you might damage Sifri Kodesh, Sifri Kodesh means mezuzah, sefer or even sforim. So if a, if a fire did break out in a house, and there was a worry, which almost definitely, not a worry, would almost definitely damage mezuzah or sforim, then you are allowed to ask directly a guy to put the fire out, because when, when there's a worry of Sifri Kodesh being damaged, then a direct command is also permitted.
the final case we discussed last week was when you ask a, a non-Jew to do a malacha for you, not a malacha, to do, a, to do work for you, for instance washing up, and she, in order to make the, the job easier for her, would rather do it in a way which is a malacha derisa. Since she can do it in a way, and you never asked her directly to do it in the way where it's the malacha, you just asked her to wash up. You didn't say, please wash up with hot water. You asked her just to wash up. Since she can do it with derech and she decides to do it with derech for instance, the Shulchan discusses a woman washing up, a maidservant washing up, and it's dark. So she takes a candle, and she lights the candle, in order to be able to help her see to wash up. Then you are allowed to use that candle as well, because the lighting of the candle wasn't done for you, it was done for her. It was done to help her do the job. True, the job was she's doing is for you, but to help her do that job for you, she lit the candle. That's not considered lighting a candle for you. So it's considered doing it for herself, and therefore it is mutter. There's a, another case which we didn't discuss last week, to move on to uh, <coughs> some new uh, halachas. One case which we forgot to mention last week, another clause, in, another heter in the case of Amir Lakam, and this can be very negay, can be very um, applicable. The Shulchan discusses if one thinks about the olden times when we had no blechs and no, uh, uh, no hot plates, etc., no slow cookers, then the problem of keeping a, keeping a cholent hot was a, a very grave problem. So what they used to do is they used to take the cholent, cook, heat it up Friday afternoon, and wrap it up and put it in the oven after it was put out, and hopefully it would stay hot till Shabbos morning. But more often than not, uh, especially in the winter months, it didn't get hot. So what, what they used to do was they used to take the cholent out of the oven on Shabbos morning, and put it next to the, what we would call now the boiler, but what was then the, the, the big oven which would heat, would send heat through the house. And every Shabbos morning the non-Jew would come in, as we've discussed, the non-Jew is allowed to light the furnace to heat the house up, because we're all chaylim when it comes to heat. So the non-Jew would come in, and she would light the, uh, the fire, and then the chalant would recook, because it's right next to the big oven which heated up the house. Is that mutter, is that awesome? Now, of course, if I would put the, or if a Jew would put the, the pot on the, next to the, next to the fire, and even if the non-Jew would then put the fire on, that would be, that would be awesome. Because the halacha is, to be over the Issa Bishul, and when we get to Hilchus Bishul, we'll, we'll see, you don't have to do the whole malacha Bishul. You don't have to actually light the fire and put the pot on the fire. If you put the pot on the gas stove, and somebody came and lit the gas stove, that's all considered, both of you have done the Malacha of Bishul. So if you would put the pot next to this oven, and along came the non-Jew and lit the fire, you would be over the, malo- the, the Malacha of Bishul. So what happens is, what you, you get somebody, a non-Jew, to put the pot on the fire, and another non-Jew to light the oven. Now, the non-Jew has lit the oven. Has she done the Malacha of cooking for you? Or has she not done the Malacha of cooking for you? So here the Mishnah Baruch, the, the uh, Ramah tells us that if the non-Jew lights the fire, it's mutter. And the Magnavaram explains why is it mutter, because this non-Jew is focused I'm heating up the house for you. She has no intention. She doesn't want to. She doesn't want to. She, that's not what she's intending to do. She's not intending to light, to cook, to heat up the cholent. However, we have a rule in Hilfah Shabbos. Psikresha is also. Psikresha literally means if you take a chicken and cut off its head and say, well, I didn't mean to kill the chicken. I just wanted to use the head, which is what the story is, use the head to give it to my child to play as a ball. That's, well, that's what the Gemara talks about. I'm sorry. That's, that's considered osa, because there's no way you can, you can kill a, uh, chop the head off a chicken and expect it to live. So by chopping off the head of a chicken, you are killing the chicken. So here's well. I put the, the chalun right next to the oven, and I'm going to say, right, uh, the, the, the non-Jew is just heating up the oven. She's not cooking. She doesn't intend to cook. She's not cooking, but it's definitely going to cook the chalun. So do we say, since it's a psikresha, and psikresha is osa and shabbos, so this non-Jew has done a malacha for you, or no, do we say psikresha for non-Jew is mutter? And here, that's the kula of the Ramah, the Magnavram explains that a malacha which is done indirectly, it's done through a psikresha, it's definitely going to happen. Definitely going to happen, it's a psikresha. Yet, the non-Jew's intention is not to do that malacha, it's to do a different malacha, a malacha which is mutter, and even though the second malacha which is also is done inadvertently, and it's definitely going to happen, it is completely mutter. And that is why in the old days, they used to place the challenge next to the oven, and the non-Jew would come and heat up the house with the oven, and he had boiling hot challenge for Shabbos morning. How does it practically translate itself into modern day scenario? If somebody forgot to take out the light inside, inside the, the fridge, come Shabbos, you can't open the fridge, because if you would open the fridge, you are definitely switching on the light. However, if you would call a non-Jew in and ask her, ask her or him to open the fridge for you, then 
true that he's definitely switching on the light as well. But what the non-Jew is doing is opening the fridge for you. He's not switching on the light. The switching on the light is only a psikresha. It's only definitely going to happen indirectly from the, as an outcome of the opening of the fridge. So that's an almost identical scenario to the case of the non-Jew lighting the oven with a chonel next to it. And therefore it will be completely muttered. So if you did have a, a, a case where you forgot to switch the light off in the fridge, you could ask an Andrew happily to open the fridge for you. However, it's going to get complicated to ask an Andrew a hundred times in Shabbos to open the fridge for you unless you have the living maid. So what one does then is you put a towel over the door and don't shut it properly the rest of Shabbos and you, you'll have no problems. But the initial opening can, can be done. You're happily allowed to ask an Andrew to do the malacha to open the fridge for you. And if indirectly a malacha happens, that's fine. It goes so far that the Shmir Shabbos Kilchase Rabbi would like to even be mate if you would like to have hot water on Shabbos for for wherever the, wherever the need may be to ask a non-Jew to op- to switch on the hot water tap because the reason why we can't switch on the hot water tap is because when the hot water comes out the boiler cold water comes in and gets heated up so he says that's a, that's an another identical case to here you ask a non-Jew to switch on the hot water tap and what happens is the hot water comes out the non-Jew just switched on the tap. In, indirect, indirectly but definitely going to happen is that the cold water is going to come in and heat up so that's an indirect heating of the cold water again that's comparable to the case of the ovens and therefore would be mutter that's the uh, cooler from the Shemir Shabbos Kilchasid <coughs> that's actually it's, it's a very big cooler this uh, Morgan Avram and it can be used extensively in many situations and in certain cases a lot of the malachas that we do are psikrashas and not direct malachas. So when it comes to, to difficult scenarios, the Rabbanim often use this Moganavram as a way around the, the complicated situation. So I think the, the, the scenarios we've created are enough just to give us a picture of what the heter is. There's one other Issa Amira which I'd like to spell out and then move on to the halachas of not, being, not benefiting from uh, the malachas of a, of a non-Jew. The Issa Amir, and this is a strange halacha because it doesn't really fit into the into the parameters of Amir La'akum, but yet Chazal added it to the halachas of Amir La'akum. Now this is a case where you have perhaps a live-in maid, or whoever it may be, or a visitor, a non-Jew, who's hungry and you haven't got enough food for them, so you pull out some chicken from the freezer and you say to them, here, here's some chicken, go cook yourself some chicken. That means you've told him not to do a malacha for you, you haven't asked him to do any cooking for you or anything. The poor gentleman, or the poor, house, the poor helper is hungry, so you say, look, I've got some chicken in the fridge, go and heat it up, put it in the microwave, it's kosher chicken, go put it in the microwave and heat it up for yourself. So all you've done is told the non-Jew to do a malacha for himself. However, here, since the malacha is done on uh, an article which belongs to you, Chazal said it's osa, and it goes under the banner of Amir Lakum. So it is osa to ask a non-Jew to do a malacha for himself if the article that he's doing the malacha on belongs to you. If, however, he comes in with his chicken, maybe he bought it in Froines and it was kosher chicken, but he comes in with his own chicken and he's hungry, then you are allowed to say to him, there's a microwave, if you want to heat up your chicken, go and heat up your chicken. Because you're not asking him to do a malacha on your, prop, on your article, he's doing a malacha on his own article, and that's mutter. But to ask a non-Jew to do a malacha for himself on your article is completely awesome. The Mishnah Buru takes it even further and he says even to ask the non-Jew, even to tell a non-Jew before Shabbos, that on Shabbos you can come in and heat up your chicken in my, in my, in my, in my, in my chicken in my microwave for yourself is also also. So he extends it and says it's also even on Friday. No, I said if he bought in for once. And it's come with a double wrap on the seal and everything. Yom Tov is, is, is uh, it does, yes, I'm really lucky to apply to Yom Tov as well. Except Bishul on Yom Tov is mutter. Yom Tov is complicated when it comes to, to non-Jews because you're not allowed to cook for a non-Jew on Yom Tov. So cooking it with non-Jews on Yom Tov is very, very complicated. And that's when uh, inviting a non-Jew for a Yom Tov meal, for instance, can be uh, severely difficult because Chazal Asad is supplying food to non-Jew on Yom Tov because we're worried that you might add extra to to feed the non-Jews. So therefore it's also to invite a non-Jew on Yom Tov. There are ways around it and if necessary one should ask because there are ways around the problem but cooking for a non-Jew on Yom Tov is very, is, is complicated. So I imagine to ask a non-Jew to cook as well could go under the same banner. Let's move on now to the halachas of not benefiting from the malacha, from the work of a non-Jew. We've discussed up until this point 
basically the halachas of telling what one is allowed to say to a non-Jew what, what one is not allowed to say to a non-Jew we are now moving into a, a new realm of, isa, of the halachas of Mirilakum, not not bound to what you do say and what you don't say this is are you allowed to benefit from the malachah or are you not allowed to benefit from the malachah it could be a, a non-Jew did a malachah for you and you never even said it you never asked him to you don't want him to you, have no, you, you really don't really you've even told him not to but at the end of the day he did a malachah for you are you allowed to benefit from that malachah so we're going to it's a little bit messy a bit more messy the halachas of uh, of benefiting from a, a malachah of an akum. we'll try our best to put it down as clearly as possible any non-Jew does a malachah for you whatever the malacha is a malacha de raisa or malacha de abonon you're not allowed to benefit from that malacha we'll come out with some cases scenarios which Shulchanak discusses as we move further down the line the halacha that you're not allowed to benefit goes as far as follows on Shabbos if a non-Jew did a malacha for you, you, have, you you're, you're not allowed to benefit from that malacha the whole of Shabbos but not just the whole of Shabbos are you not allowed to benefit you can't benefit even after Shabbos until the time it takes for that malacha to be done on Mati Shabbos that's what we call the Issa of Kedai Shiyasu. Motsoi Shabbos, if a non-Jew did a malacha for you, let's say it would take an hour to do that malacha. Motsoi Shabbos, you cannot benefit from that malacha for the full hour after Shabbos. The hour where you could theoretically have done that whole malacha then, then after that you can benefit. Because if we allowed you to benefit in the, in the directly Motsoi Shabbos, you're still benefiting from the malacha. If a non-Jew, for instance, uh, cooks some food, takes an hour to cook the food, so if we allow you to eat that food immediately, Matsoi Shabbos, then we're really back in the same problem. Maybe you'll ask the non-Jew to cook for you on Shabbos. You won't eat it on Shabbos, but you gain that you have something hot to eat directly, immediately, Matsoi Shabbos. So in order to get around the problem, to get around the worry that we might come and ask a non-Jew to do a malacha for us, even for the sake of Matsoi Shabbos, what we do, what Chazal did, they banned any benefit from this malacha, even Matsoi Shabbos, what we call Kedai Shiasu, the time span it takes for that malacha to be done. So let's give you a, a couple of scenarios that the Shulchan Aruch discusses. <coughs> if a non-Jew would fish on Shabbos, to, he would take a, a fishing rod and he would fish for you on Shabbos and bring you the fish to eat. So now, it might take an hour for the non-Jew to get to the river, two hours for him to fish, to actually capture the fish, and an hour for him to walk back. If he did that for you on Shabbos, it would be awesome for you to eat that fish or to cook that fish for, that, for, for four hours after Shabbos the amount of time it takes for him to get to the place where he fishes the amount of time it takes for him to fish and the amount of time it would take for him to come back and bring the fish so Kadesh Yasu means it's also to benefit from the malacha the, the full time it takes for that malacha to be done not the full time of the malacha itself the full time it takes for the malacha to be done so the full hour to walk to the to the river and if he rode on a bike how long it takes to, to, to get there on a bike and if he went by car how long it takes to get there by car etc the, the time it, t- it took the, God, the non-Jew to do the malacha that time is also to benefit on Matsoi Shabbos the same malacha applied the Shukhmach discussed if he went and picked fruit on a, from a tree for you uh, if he picked fruit from a tree for you on Shabbos then again it's also to benefit from that fruit picking a, 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 a fruit on Shabbos is a malacha the Raisa if the non-Jew did it for you you have to you cannot eat that fruit Matsoi Shabbos the time it takes for the non to walk to the orchard pick it which is one second and bring it back so that time Matsoi Shabbos one cannot benefit from that, from, the, from that fruit if the fruit was picked on Shabbos or the fish was fished on Shabbos then just as it is also to benefit the person who was the malacha was done for is also to benefit from from that malacha every other Jew is also after the benefit from that malacha so if a non-Jew picked some fruit for me then everybody here and everybody else in Kali Shor is after the benefit from that fruit as well that's however right way through to Kadesh Yasser right way through Matzah Shabbos everybody is also if however the non-Jew didn't do a malacha deraisa say the non-Jew just bought some fruit for me from the outside of the Tchum say all the non-Jew did was an Issa Drabonon then for me it's also for the person who the malacha was done for it's also but for everybody else it's, it's Matzah immediately Matzah Shabbos Sorry, it's not even on Shabbos. Sorry, it's not even on Shabbos. See, I'm forgetting myself. Uh, the Isidrabon is only after for the person it's done for, but not for anybody else. So an Isidrabon is also for everybody, and Isidrabon is also for the person it was done for. <coughs> if 
A non-Jew did a melacha which took three days. Right? He did a melacha which took three days. I don't know, he built a ship for you. I don't know what he did. He took a melacha which took three days. And finished it on Shabbos. Do we say that it's also Matzai Shabbos full three days? Or not? Now here, very simply, the answer is of course not. Because the first two days of the melacha is fine. He's not done a melacha for you. He's not done any issa for you. The only melacha that he's done is the last day. is the, the Shabbos. So then it would be Asa, the full Matzai Shabbos. The, the full Sunday. If he did a melacha for three days, then all the amount of time that is Asa after Shabbos is just one full day. The, the amount of time, the amount of work that he did for you on the whole of Shabbos. <coughs> the the, the Ramah and Rechabah discuss a little bit not so applicable nowadays the, the, the halacha of when the non-Jew goes and picks for you on Shabbos he goes to the orchard and picks for you on Shabbos now in the old days nobody would walk at night to an orchard to pick fruit for you so this gentleman this non-Jew went on Shabbos afternoon picked a basket of fruit and brought it back can I benefit from it say it took him two hours to, to the round trip with a picking took him two hours two hours into Matzah Shabbos can I already eat the fruit or do we say no since the Matzah Shabbos People don't travel. In those days, they definitely didn't travel on their own to orchards in the middle of the night. So you have to wait for the two hours from the morning. And that's a big machlekes in the Shulchan Aruch, the Ramaz Machmeh. I would assume nowadays where people do travel at night and uh, we have torches, etc., the Malacha can happily be done at night, but probably the, the Kadesh Yasser starts immediately at Matzor Shabbos. But in the old days where one never traveled at night, then the Ramaz takes on that you should only benefit from that Malacha two hours in from the next morning. To show you the severity of the issue of being nana from a, 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 a work of an akum, a work of a non-Jew, the Shulchan Aruch tells us a, a, a case of a non-Jew who built an oren. He built a, a, an oren for, for a mace, for a mitzvah. And it was quite clear it was being built for a Jew. Are you allowed to use that oren for the Jew or not? There, here Chazal gave us an, an even more stricter Issa. And they said, not just Kadesh Yasi, you can't, it's not good enough just to wait the amount of time it took them to build the Oren, it's also to use the Oren forever. For the person that it was built for, it's also to use the Oren forever. And here there's a big machlekes in, in, in the Poskim, why did Chazal say it's also? Is it because it was Mephorsim, it was very well known that this Oren was built, being built for this specific person? And then any Malacha, not just building an Oren, any Malacha that is public, that it was done for a Jew, would be also for that Jew forever? Or well, do we say an oran is something special? An oran it's a, a bigger bizarre for a person to be, to be buried in an oran which was built on Shabbos. So therefore the oran we don't allow them to use at all. However, any other malacha, even if it's mafusim, even if it's a public and was quite well known, it was done for the, for the Jew, after Kadesh Yasu, one can benefit from it. That's a very big machlech in the Poskim. And we try the chathchile to be machmeh. The Mishnabur says the chathchile should be machmeh. The malach which was mafusim was publicly done for a Jew on Shabbos. For that Jew, it should be also forever. Other Jews can benefit after Kadesh Yasser, but for that Jew, it's also forever. However, in the case of, of, of need, one can be mekel. One can be mekel after the amount of time of Kadesh Yasser, not mekel immediately. Mekel after the time it took to do that malacha on Shabbos. So there, there you see the severity how Chazal really banned benefiting from a malacha of, of, of a non-Jew on Shabbos. So much so, in certain cases, it's banned, it's also completely, one can never benefit from that malacha. Just now to broaden a little bit the, the halachas of being nana from a Maisa Akum on or, uh, what's called, what are these scenarios that's called benefiting from the actions of a non-Jew. We'll go back to the simple case. We'll work our way through as much as possible the cases that were discussed, which is lighting a, a candle, lighting a light for a non-Jew, for a Jew, picking fruit, etc. We'll, we'll try and stick to those cases. Those are the cases which are commonly talked about in Shulchan Aruch. So if a non-Jew walked into a dark room and lit a candle, lit a light, if he lit the, lit the light for himself, then a Jew can come in and happily benefit from that light. If he lit the light for a, a Jew, then it's also to benefit from that light right way through until Kadesh Yasu, which in the, in, in the case of lighting a light is only a few seconds after Matzai Shabbos. Now when we say it's also to benefit from that light, what we mean is a direct benefit. We mean you can't benefit from the light, something that couldn't, you couldn't have done without the light beforehand. So, for instance, if you're sitting in a room with, your, with a, a very small light on, where you can actually see what you're eating, and you're having your Shabbos meal, you can see what you're eating, and the maid comes in and sees you eating in the semi-dark and switches on the light. So, if you couldn't read by the original light, you could eat, but you couldn't read, it would be also then, when the light switched on, to, to read Zemiris, for instance, 
or to read a book in that light. You'll be allowed to continue eating, because that you could have done anyway, but to read, which couldn't have been done, would be also, and would be also to sing Zemiris from Zemiris, you sing them off the house, but not from Zemiris, because a benefit that you couldn't have used, you couldn't have had before the light was lit, once the light's lit by a non-Jew for you, you mustn't have that benefit. Now this halach is, as, as we can see, whether you asked a non-Jew to do it, whether you didn't ask a non-Jew to do it, whether she did it against your will, well, he did it against your will. It is also to benefit from that malacha right way through till Matzoi Shabbos Kedeshi Yasser. There is a slight difference, though, if you asked a non-Jew to do the malacha for you or if you didn't ask a non-Jew to do the malacha for you. If you didn't ask a non-Jew to, to do the malacha for you, for instance, you were sitting in a dark room and the non-Jew came and switched the light on even though you never asked, you're not mechuyiv to go out. You're not allowed to benefit from the light. Some Mishraim say you have to turn your head away from the light we take on you don't have to actually turn your head away from the light but direct benefit you can't have you can't read or you can't uh, if you couldn't eat before and you wouldn't be allowed to eat in front of the light but you don't you're not to remove yourself from your house because the non-Jew switched the light on if you ask the non-Jew to put the light on and you realize afterwards hey you know I'm sorry I did that I shouldn't have done that it was naughty of me then to remove yourself from the house even an indirect benefit is also if you ask the non-Jew to do the malachal for you so though the halacha of not, benefit, not benefiting from the halacha of a non-Jew is the same whether you asked a non-Jew or didn't ask, there is one slight difference. Are you mechuyiv to be most inefficient and go out the house or not? There is a difference. If you did, did ask, you would have to leave the house. If you didn't ask, you wouldn't have to leave the house. If, you, the, if a Jew saw a non-Jew about to do a malacha for you, about to light the light, then you would have to, ask, you'd have to tell him to stop. You'd have to be mechuyiv, you'd have to tell him, please do not put the light on for me. It's also for me to benefit from that light. Do not put the light on for me. It goes so far that the Mishnah Bura says if you, if you insist on doing it against your will, in front of you, you're free to pick him up and throw him out of the house. So, if you do see your, your helper about to do a malacha for you, which is also, and she refuses, you, theoretically you should have to throw her out of the house. But uh, hopefully they won't refuse. Again, just as I said it's a bit not quite clear what's called a direct benefit if you we, I think we mentioned this a, few, a couple of years ago if you, in the old days when you had uh, oil candles if there was already oil in the candle and you added a bit of oil the non-Jew added a bit of oil to the candle then that's not called benefiting from the malacha of the, of the non-Jew because you could benefit from that light before the oil was added if however after a couple of hours the amount of oil that you had there beforehand would, would, would have gone down and now all that's burning is the new oil, then from that point on you would have to go out of the room and not benefit from the malacha of the, of the uh, non-Jew. So I- equally, if you had some lights on in the house, which was ample for you to do all your malachas, and then a, a non-Jew came and switched on extra lights, and then somehow or other the other lights went off on the time switch, as soon as the, the, the old lights go off, you would have to at least not benefit from the new lights. Now exactly what's called... Well, what, sorry, one other case. One other case which is also mutter, where one is also allowed to benefit from a malacha of, of a non-Jew. And that's where the benefit is not direct from the malacha. So the Shulchanach discusses when the post, the letters, come on Shabbos, and there's a worry that there's something important inside the letter, and a non-Jew opens the envelope for you, would you be allowed to read the letter inside the envelope? Or a modern-day scenario is you forgot to open a packet of food on Shabbos, and the, uh, the helper realizes that the packet's not open and she opens the packet of food for you on Shabbos. Are you allowed to benefit from the eat the food on Shabbos? Is that called benefiting from the work of a non-Jew or is that called indirect benefit? And here the halacha tells us that indirect benefit is mutter. So if a non-Jew would open the letter for you, you would be allowed to read the letter. There's other problems with reading a letter, which is nothing, nothing to do with Hilchus Amir Lachum, halachas of David Dover, etc. That's uh, a different subject. But when necessary and in the cases where one would, would be allowed to read the letter if the non-Jew opened the envelope for you you are allowed to read the letter because it's not called benefiting from the malacha of the non-Jew similarly if a non-Jew polished your shoes for you on Shabbos if a non-Jew polished your shoes for you on Shabbos no problem if uh, your helper decided that your shoes were a bit scuffed and it's not nice to go to shul on Shabbos with scuffed shoes and she took out the polish and polished them would one be allowed to wear those shoes on Shabbos again that's not called direct benefit from the Malacha the wearing of the shoes could, the shoes could have been worn whether they were slightly scuffed or not so you, the wearing of the shoes is the benefit the fact that it now looks slightly nicer and slightly cleaner is not called direct benefit 
that one would be allowed to wear those shoes on Shabbos. That's called indirect benefit, similar to the opening up of, the, of, of an envelope, the um, opening up of food. The indirect benefit is muta on Shabbos. It's muta to benefit from uh, the, the malacha of a non-Jew. Now, just to move on a little bit, what's called a non-Jew doing a malacha for Yisrael, and what's called a non-Jew not doing a malacha for Yisrael? There are some grey areas. There are some great areas, and areas which, where perhaps one would think would be mutter, because the non-Jew is definitely doing it for himself, but yet Chazal said that is Asus. So let me give you a case that the Shulchan Aruch discusses. Uh, one can imagine if in the old days they were traveling on the, on the road with animals, and the animal was thirsty. So they had in, on the side of the roads, every so often they had pits, where the, 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 the council had dug pits and put water in it, and you were supposed to get down, go down into the pit, pull out... Put, put some water in a bucket and bring it up and give your animal to drink. Now, the, a pit of water is usually a Rishusayachid. The animal is in the Rishusayachid. So for you to go down with a bucket and bring up water is Osa. If a non-Jew went down to the pit and brought up water for his own animal, then you should be allowed to drink that water as well because he de- definitely did it for himself. However, here we have a slight cause. If the non-Jew recognizes you if you are what we call the ma- ma- a makis, somebody who is recognized by the non-Jew, then it is also for you to drink from that water. Even though the non-Jew did the malacha completely for himself, but it would be also for you to benefit from that malacha because we are worried that the non-Jew would then go and do again the malacha specifically for you. So in a, a situation where the, the non-Jew recognizes you, that complicates matters, and even in a case where the malacha is done for the non-Jew, it would be also for you to benefit from that malacha. What's called a non-Jew who recognizes you. Now that's a very big machlech in, in, in the Shulchan Aruch. Some say that's only if you're standing in front of the non-Jew. If you're standing in front of him, whilst he takes the water out of the pit to feed his, to, to give his animals to drink, and you're standing there, and he can see that you want the water as well, that goes under the banner of Makira, that goes under the umbrella of somebody that the non-Jew recognizes, and that would be Asa. If, however, the, non- the, the Jew is not in front of the non-Jew, even if the non-Jew knows that that Jew might benefit, might enjoy having this water as well, would be, it, that would be mutter. Some say no, even if it's the non-Jew is not together with the Jew, but the non-Jew knows that the, the, the Jew would like that malacha, that's again called makir and would be asa. And some go even further, some go even further, and even if, the non-Jew's not, even if the Jew is not next to the non-Jew, and even if he doesn't know that he wants it, it's just somebody that he recognizes, then somebody he knows, then we're worried that next time he will do a malacha and add to it, especially for you, and therefore that also, in that case, you would also be asked for the benefit from the malacha that the non-Jew did for himself. The halacha, the Mishnah Bruce, seems to take on like the middle stage, that if it's, even if the Jew is not next to the non-Jew, but the non-Jew knows that you, the Jew would like, would, be, would want to benefit from this, from this uh, drawing of the water, then it is Asa. If, however, the non-Jew doesn't know, even if he does recognize you, it will be considered Mutter. So, when one's dealing with maids and helpers at home, then the complication of a makira, the complication of a non-Jew doing malacha, even for themselves, but they know who you are and they recognize you, and therefore would like to add water for you, would become Asa. So, for instance, if a non-Jew would boil a kettle for themselves, the helper would boil a kettle for themselves on Shabbos, would you be allowed to benefit from that hot water? Assuming that the helper knows who you are, I would hope, then it would be awesome for you to benefit from that water. <coughs> a similar case, which goes uh, once, just slightly different, a non-Jew who picks food for his, own, for his own animal, and at the same time, the non-Jew feeds your animal. You'll be allowed to... Uh, allowed to let him feed your animal because he's, he's, not, he's not doing a malacha for you he's doing a malacha for himself he picked it for himself and he's gone and fed your animal however if you would see him doing this regularly you, then you would have to stop him and then that would be considered again he's doing the malacha for you so the lines of what's called for you and what's called for himself are slightly grey and they get greyer slightly even greyer a non-Jew who lights a light in a room a room for a Jew but there's no Jew there so he comes into the, to your front room, your dining room, and he sees the lights all off, and he switches the lights on, and he walks, immediately walks out. So it's quite clear that he's not lit, he's not switched on those lights for himself, he's switched them on for a Jew. It will be awesome for you to come into the room later and benefit from those lights, because that's definitely considered he's done the malacha for you. If, however, he would stay in the room for a minute or two and perhaps read uh, the newspaper that's lying on the table, 
and then go out of the room, then you can assume that the lights have been lit for himself, and it would be mutter to benefit from those lights afterwards. Because when a non-Jew does a malacha for himself, you're allowed to have benefit, direct benefit from that malacha. If you have Jews and non-Jews in a room, and a non-Jew comes in and switches on the lights, we're using the example of a light as the simplest example, but this could be in any malacha, it makes no difference what the malacha is. If you have a, a group of people, a mixture of Yidin and, non, and, non, and non-Jews in the room, and the non-Jew comes in and switches on the lights. Is one allowed to benefit from that light? Is it considered the light being lit for non-Jews, or is it considered a light being lit for Jews? So, the halacha tells us, if there's mostly non-Jews in the room, then you can assume the light was switched on for the non-Jews, and the Jew can benefit from it. If it's mostly Jews, then you assume it's done for the Jew, for the Yidin, and it's also. If it's half-half, again, we take on that it's done for the Yidin, and it's also to benefit. If there's mostly non-Jews, but he did it for the Jew and the non-Jew, so he explicitly did it for both, that's again a big machlekes in the Shulchan Aruch. He did the malacha for non-Jews, but he also did it for, for Jews. So the same malacha at the same time was done for both a non-Jew and a Jew. Do we say that at the end of the day it was done for a Jew, so it's Asa, or do we say no, that malacha was done for non-Jews, so it's Muta? That's a big machlekes, and in case of necessity, one can be makele. There's one case where even if the non-Jew did it for himself and he doesn't recognize you, it's still not straightforward if one can benefit from the malacha or not. And that's the case of a non-Jew baking bread on Shabbos for himself. Baking bread, pas akum, pas palta, is in certain situations is mutter, in places where you can't get bread of equal standard or you can't get bread at all, or you can't get that type of bread, then the paspalta is mutter, that's the heta for modern day rabita. Paspalta is mutter if you can't find a duplicate with a heksha. So if a non-Jew would bake bread on Shabbos, a bread that you can't buy with a heksha, so it's mutter, would you be allowed to benefit from that bread on Shabbos? Now that's a big machalikas in the Shulchan Aruch. Can one benefit, can one eat that bread, or can one not eat that bread? Now the reasons why one should not be able to eat that bread are three. We have a problem here of muksa. Wheat, flour, is not edible. So for a Jew, flour on Shabbos, a packet of flour is muksa. So he's now taking this, this non-Jew is taking flour, which is muksa, and turns it into bread. So the bread remains muksa. So there's a problem of muksa. There's a problem of noilad. Before the flour was flour, he's now turned it into bread. He's created a new, a, a new substance, a new food. That's a problem of noilad. But the main problem is that we're worried that he'll bake bread especially for you. So those are the three reasons why it should be Asr. There, are, there is one day in the Shulchan Aruch, the Mechavah quotes one day who says it's Mutter. He says that it's not Muksa, because for a non-Jew, a non-Jew can bake bread in Shabbos. So the flour could be used for the non-Jew, so therefore it's not considered Muksa. It's his flour, it could be used for the non-Jew, it's not considered Muksa. Since he's allowed to bake the bread on Shabbos, the non-Jew for himself, it's not considered Noilad. And then we're not worried that he will add extra for you. So that second day says it's completely Mutter. Since it's a machlekes, we try to be machmir. Again, in dire, in dire circumstances, in certain cases, uh, it, they can be, it can be used as a, an addition to be machmir in certain cases. However, uh, a servant, a maidservant, or a helper in the house, somebody who works in the house, would bake bread for themselves on Shabbos, there everybody agrees it would be also for the house owner to eat to benefit from that malacha, because there everybody agrees there's a worry that the helper will add some extra, put some extra bread on, especially for the Jew. I was going to move on a little bit to uh, uh, continue on a little bit on, on the halachas of benefiting. I think we've covered enough. I think it's a little bit too much for one day. Um, it's a little, little bit unfortunate because we're going to have to break this week till, actually till well is not clear because the summer holidays finishes about a week and a half before Rosh Hashanah which doesn't give us much time. So whether the, whether the, if there will be a share before Rosh Hashanah or not is up, up for grabs, but we're definitely going to take a break from now till just before Rosh Hashanah. I will try my best to recap when we, when we do reconvene, whenever it may be, very briefly, the halachas that we learned till now on Amir, on Amir al-Akum, and then finish off, should, we should give us another one or two shurim on Amir al-Akum, and then I'd like to move on to the halachas of Kiddush Bez Hashem. So just to finish off with a short devatayah, 
this week's Shadra is Masay's Masay, starting going down directly to Masay. The Prophet tells us, the Torah tells us right at the beginning of the Shadra, Vayichtev Moshe, Moshe wrote as Moitsoehem Lemasehem. Moitsoehem literally means they're going forth, they're going out, Lemasehem to their journeys. Ve'ele Masehem, and these are their journeys, well it says, Api Hashem, according to the word of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Ve'ele Masehem, and these are their journeys, Lemoitsoehem, to their going out, to their going forth. Some of Hashem explain the word Moitsoehem slightly different. Moitsoehem, not from the word going out, but from the word finding. Moshe Rabbeinu wrote their findings that means the places where they rested which is the places that they found to their journeys and these are the journeys to their findings to the places where they were going to rest the resting place is called the place where you found you found your rest you found your, 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 your manucha the journey is called Mas'eim uh, and it's quite extensive in the, in the Mepharshim to translate, Rashi seems to translate Moshe as, and the Targum as a going forth. The other Mephoshim would like to translate it as findings. We'd like to just discuss a little bit what it means and how to explain the Moshe wrote their findings to the journeys, as if the findings are the most important and the journeys is, sorry, the journey is the most important and the findings is just a, the resting place is just a means of getting on to the next journey. And these are their journeys to the findings, which seems to imply that the resting places was the most important, and the journeys was just a means of getting there. So just to understand what the, what the Pasuk is trying to tell us, we'll just spend a couple of minutes explaining it. The purpose of Kalishwal going into the Midbar, and journeying in the Midbar, the, the Mephashim explained at length, the Torah tells us, every place that they stopped and they rested, Every, every place of Chania, every place they stopped and rebuilt the Mishkan and spent time there, however long it was, a day, a week, a month, however long it was, was Api Hashem. It was directed exactly where HaKadosh Baruch told them to go, through the Anonia Kovid. And every time they journeyed, it was a direct command from HaKadosh Baruch now it's time to journey. And the Mephashim explained that the, re- the purpose of the journey in the Midbar was to, the Midbar is a place where there's no dwelling places. The Midbar is what we call a Machim Shmama, it's a place where there's no, very little life. The reason why there's, no little, there's very little life in the midboy is because, spiritually speaking, the midboy is the lowest point in the spiritual world. The place where the, the negative forces, where the sotan, where the, powers, the power of the sotan is at, at, its, at its highest, at its strength, is in the midboy. The midboy is the place where the sotan dwells. So the purpose of the journey of Kalishol through the midboy was to find those places where the sotan is dwelling, remove him by serving a Kodesh Borku in those places, and having gone through the whole Midbar and journeyed through and reached Etzisol, having removed the, the Sotan from his, from his own dwelling place, we are now ready to move into what we should have been, what we call Tikkun Osid, the point of the time of Mashiach. So th- there are 42 journeys in, in Pashas Masi. The Torah tells us 42 times where they journeyed and they dwelt and they journeyed and they dwelt 42 times. And our result tells us that the 42 correspond to the, the amount of words that are in the Pashas Bar Haftar in Krishna. If you count the amount of words, you can try it. Uh, you can count the amount of words in, in the Pash of the Haftar Bar Haftar until Visharecha, you will find there's 42 words there. They correspond to the 42 journeys of Kalisrol. Because the purpose of the journey of Kalisrol was, as we said, to remove the evil from the world and eventually get to the point of pure Ava, the point of pure connection to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Ava is the highest level, the highest point of connection is Ava. The Haftas Hashem Lekecha is the highest point where we connect Takah through Ava. That is the ultimate. So by climbing through and journeying the 42 journeys, we reach the point of the Haftas Hashem Lekecha. We reach the place where we're trying to get to. So the 42, the, the Membeis Masoris, the 42 journeys were there to, to, to get us to the Haftas Hashem Lekecha. And what we need to understand here is, though we said that the purpose of Kalishol in the Midbar was to remove the power of the Sotan, not to directly arrive at the point of Bahaftas Hashem Lekecho, what's quite clear is that the, by the very fact that you remove the Ra, you remove the evil, that itself immediately gets you to the place that we need to get to, to the, the point of connection. That means as follows. The Apostle tells us, If you work hard, you toil, then you will find. So the Apostle explained, if you toil, then you haven't found, you worked at it. You achieved it. It's not a finding. And the Mephoshim explained, no. In Ruchnius, you toil. You can toil and toil as long as you like. The, 
ultimate, the point that you reach is never directly because of your toil. It's always a matir. It's always a matana which HaKadosh Baruch gives you. Our job is to toil. We have to toil. But the point, the level that we reach, that, that's always a matana from HaKadosh Baruch The life journey, the mem-based masor, the journey a person has to take through life is to toil these 42 journeys. What's the journey? To remove all the evil from, from oneself, to remove the evil from around us, to remove all the ra, the sume ra. By removing the ra, then HaKadosh Baruch will help us. He will give us a present. He will make us find it's a, a finding, it's a, mat- a matir. It will make us find that level that we're, we're trying to reach, the level of the Hashem Lekecho. So, Vayichtoid Moshe es Moshe'eim lemaseim. Ve'eim lemaseim lemaseim means as follows. Moshe Rabbeinu wrote down the Moshe'eim, the findings, the levels that they reached. The journey represents the toil of a person. A person journeys, he toils. The, the Chaniyah, the places that they rested, is called a Moshe'eim, a place they found. It's considered a finding. That's because they reached every place they journeyed to they reached a new madriga every new journey was one of the 42 it was further higher and higher and higher so they reached a new level what's called a matir a new level of a new madriga so the Moshe wrote the places that they found the achievements which is not their own achievement it's an achievement which is a matir which is a, a finding which HaKadosh gave them for their journeys now in Avedis Hashem the 42 journeys they were made up of journeys and stops journeys and stops Climbing, climbing in the ladder of Ruchnius is a, a, always it's as if you're climbing a mountain. You climb up till you reach a plateau and then you realize you have another mountain above you. And you climb the next bit and you reach another plateau and you realize there's another mountain above you. The purpose of climbing and stopping and climbing and stopping is not to reach the first stop or to reach the second stop. You have to reach the first stop in order to be able to start on the second journey and arrive at the second stop. And you have to arrive at the second stop in order to be able to, to arrive at the third stop. So the resting places is a means of continuing the journey. So some of the resting places, right the way through till the final resting place, is part, is there to prepare you for the next level of your journey. So He wrote down their findings, he wrote down the places where they rested, but that wasn't the purpose of the rest. And the purpose of the resting wasn't to arrive at that point. The purpose of the resting was to be able to continue from there on to the next journey. So he wrote the He wrote their resting places for their journeys. However, the Elam Masehem Lamoisehem, but the, the ultimate, the ultimate journey was to journey to the final resting place, to the final place of Mashiach, to the place where the Tikkun the tikken are osid. Now, always to connect it back to Shabbos, we can't let, let go this week. When it comes to Shabbos and the six days of the week, it's exactly the same thing. The amount a person toils in the week to remove the negative forces, remove the, the feeling of weekday, the, the feeling of the, the, the power of the Sotan, to remove him from our lives in the week, that's the amount of me'en o'ilam haba, that's the amount of gedusha Shabbos a person reaches to on Shabbos. And it's the same with a person's life, the amount we, Kali work and toil and remove all the evil from, from all of us, that's the point that we're going to eventually reach, the, the true o'ilam haba, the point that we're all waiting for, the binyan ba'ashlishi, which is, hopefully will come from here, be'amenu, amen.